0: The Down Below podcast was our last best hope to analyse. A self-contained podcast who knows how long located between your ears. A place of discussion and fun for newcomers and veterans alike. A shining download online, all alone on the web. It was the dawn of the third age of podcasting, the year the introcast wars came upon us all. This is a story of the Babylon 5 introcast. The year is 2014. The show, down below.
1: Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome to Down Below, a Babylon 5 intro cast. I'm Will. I'm Man.
2: I'm Heidi. I'm
1: Elizabeth. Well, today, ladies and gentlemen, we are joined by a frequent visitor to Down Below. Welcome back, Jason.
3: Welcome back,
0: Jason. Yeah, good to have you back. Hi,
3: everybody.
1: Hey. Okay. Uh, yes, it's good to have you back. So you picked this episode... Yeah, this was our second most requested episode of the season. Uh, yeah, that's what's going on. The High, Coming of Shadows.
0: Yeah. Have you been up too much since uh, you were last on, Jason?
1: <laughs> Jason?
0: Sorry. <laughs>
1: I'm
0: sorry. I
4: dropped out of one pod... I could hear you. I just had myself right. muted. Um, the, uh, I dropped out of one podcast I was participating in, so... Um, it's pretty much uh this one, and yeah, I think that's the only one I've been guesting on, so there's been
1: no guest things since then. Uh, more time for us.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, today we are here to discuss episode 20 of season two, The Long Twilight Struggle, but first, here's an ISN special report. guys. We're coming to you from the Narn homeworld. We are here for a report on the war effort when the Centauri Republic suddenly launched a full-scale attack against the planet. We have word that the Centauri have employed the use of mass drivers which have been banned by all civilized worlds. The damage here is just devastating. I don't know how the Narn economy can recover from this. We've been trying to get a comment from the Kauri Now that was close. Guys, I don't know if we're going to get out of here. We'll keep broadcasting as long as we can. So Ghost Infected Frank, he passed
0: it on to the other guys and I got it from his corpse? Right. Hello Echo, how are you feeling?
5: Did I fall asleep?
4: For a little while. Previously
5: on Heroes. You had to go and be the detective, didn't you, Matt? I'm not an aggressive person, but Ugh, man,
3: there's just way too much on all these channels.
5: But only in-game.
1: Everybody lives roast. Just this one! In your dreams, not loaf! Bite my shiny metal hat.
0: Sometimes I get I get visions.
1: Walter, what are you doing? What you learned,
5: I wish there was some way to find out what's really worth watching.
1: There
0: is.
5: What? Who? What was that?
0: Tuning into Sci-Fi TV is the viewer's guide to genre television.
5: Where is that coming
0: from? With its spoiler-free quick reviews and water cooler and the spoiler-filled in-depth back porch discussions, Tuning into Sci-Fi TV is the only resource fans need to know what's on, what's good, and what's coming soon in science fiction and fantasy television.
3: How did you get into my house?
0: Join Kevin, Wendy, and Brandy week for the latest in genre television. I'm calling the police. Uh, you can find Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV
1: at dot
5: No, seriously. How did you get into my house?
1: This episode originally aired on October 18, 1995. It was directed by John C. Flynn, who last directed Soulmates. And it was written by JMS.
0: Okay, I know you ha- were wondering about the title of this episode, and... It, I don't know whether it's completely deliberate, but JMS, um, as we've always said, has been a fan of Tolkien's work, and the phrase comes right out of Lord of the Rings and his other works. It's what the elves call the battle against evil. It's their long twilight struggle. Mm, okay. It might, have been un- it might have been an unconscious uh, decision, but it's definitely from there. Really? Hmm. Yeah, but for the elves, it's the whole idea of this evil will always be in the world. It all, but you know, it's a battle we've got to fight. It, it's I, also, I think they also call it the um, long defeat because um, you know it, it feels like a battle they can can't win, but they can always push the darkness back. Although the darkness will always be there, I'm fairly certain it comes from Tolkien. I might be completely wrong in. Kind of the two mythologies mixed.
1: I thought it read somewhere that it was a John F. Kennedy quote. Maybe they.
4: <laughs>
0: maybe it was. Um, but yeah, that's yeah. from
4: that's from JMS himself. From the yeah, news
0: I'm sure it's a term I heard in Lord of the Rings. I'm sure it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. Maybe it's...
5: JFK used
1: Lord of the Rings. Yeah, maybe JFK I actually took don't it know from Lord of the Rings was
0: written, but. Yeah, it was written um, between it the late forties and um, mid fifties. It took took him about ten years to get the whole trilogy complete, I
1: think. But a call to bear the burden of a long twilight struggle, year in and year out, rejoicing in hope. That's from one of Kennedy's inaugural addresses. So I'm going to say that Kennedy stole <laughs> that from Tolkien. Proven.
0: Oh, everyone steals from the best, and <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's. Good good speech makers know where to take their quotes from.
1: (laughs) I want to, when I get, if I ever get famous and have to make a speech, I'm going to use the part about not all who wonder are lost, not all that critters is gold or something (laughs) like that.
0: And then maybe um, some of what Jakar says from later in this episode. (laughs)
2: Yeah. if I ever have to make a speech, I'm just going to go through like all of my favorite sci-fi and fantasy shows and get like the best lines out of all of them and put it all in one speech.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Before we do the recap, I just want to talk about sign-ups for season three. They're coming up. I know yeah, I, I hid in the show notes for one episode for people who pay attention to that. I said the 25th of January, but we took a couple of weeks off, so I just pushed it back a couple of weeks to February 8th, and it'll be the same as last time. It'll start at noon on February 8th. Send a list of prioritized episodes, first come, first serve, Um and yeah, we'll give you the first episode available and put you as a backup on the others. And Yeah, there is a uh, two-parter in season three that we're going to treat as one episode, so keep that in mind. Uh, Long-time fans know what that is. But we learned our lesson from last time. There's a two-part. We'll just do it as one episode.
0: Oh, yeah, and especially that one. We kind of have to do it as one episode.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember the cliffhanger from that one, but I just remember the one from the first season uh, being the worst cliffhanger I'd ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so it's memorable. Yeah. I guess It's that's effective, right?
1: Right. <laughs> All right. All right. So let's get started with the recap. Oh yeah, by the time this episode is released, I'll probably have the list up on the website in the Facebook group. So I saw and know this says this episode takes place from December 3rd to December 10, 2259. I don't know. I feel like maybe it's again where the it took place in between this period. Yeah, like yeah, that sounds five. like
0: it take place between those dates to me.
2: Well it did say that the Centauri were like attacking the Narn Narn Homeworld for like four days. Like there was a there was a time yeah,
0: loss there, there. There definitely was. Okay.
1: Right. So the episode begins on Centauri Prime, Lord Rifa. Have you summoned Londo to the throne room? The Emperor is out.
5: He's like stroking the throne. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he doesn't have any kind of reverence for it, he just seems to covet it and he doesn't care. He thinks he's due the throne, so he'll sit in it without any care.
1: I like that there is a reference to uh Lando's friend from Nice, I can't remember his name right now.
5: Yeah, I get yeah. to figure out what he was talking about.
1: Yeah. Rifa tells Londo that the six-month-long war against the Nar will be over soon, and Londo will be the architect of the victory.
5: It doesn't seem like it's been that long. I <laughs> know.
1: It's because we've been watching it every week.
5: And they had a big yeah. uh, space in between at some point then.
1: Yeah. So in Babylon 5, Delenn is in her quarters, I guess, meditating, and she gets a call from a dear friend. In CNC, Clarence and Clarice pick up an energy surge <laughs> from Epsilon 3. <laughs> uh, and they call Ivanova.
0: Yeah, they call Ivanova, but we cut to um, Sheridan. Yeah. yeah. The shower. <laughs> okay, mean, yes. This is we so do. weird. Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, that was so weird.
1: I know. I don't know what. Yeah, I and mean, I don't even know what. I was expecting to see, but it wasn't shared.
2: <laughs> or I was expecting someone in there with him or something with the music.
0: Well, the thing is, with what um, Dral says later, he's been watching him.
5: Yeah, <laughs> we got that. <laughs>
0: so well, we've got we Kosh about- who shows it. Yeah, we've got Kosh who shows himself to everyone and Dral who watches everyone.
2: <laughs> Dral's <for> keeping peeping Tom. <laughs>
0: It seems the more power you get in the universe, the pervier you become. Apparently.
1: <laughs> you get bored, so you just have to take <laughs> like, yourself.
0: Yeah.
1: He gets a call from Ivanova, which gets interrupted by Drawl, who thinks they should talk. And the role of Drawl is now being played by John Shuck. Yeah, this is the Drawl that I remember. That last guy wasn't familiar to me when we watched the episode.
0: They had to change the actor from what I believe because the other actor's playing a different role at the moment, okay, and they wanted to, a different. Yeah, actor.
2: I was like, do I just not remember this guy? Like, this is yeah. Weird.
4: They do it. And this guy, oh, go ahead. They say they do address it in dialogue. He says he's, um, he says he feels and looks like thirty years long younger or something like that. Yeah,
1: right. oh, that was funny.
0: Yeah, then Delain, then Delain later on says that um more or less the same thing that he looks like he looked when she was under him as a teacher.
1: Yeah, and Sheridan was like, he doesn't look the same way he looks in the station logs. It's like, yeah. <laughs> this guy, this actor is very dramatic. He's, I don't he's like a theater actor or something. I don't remember reading that.
5: Oh, well, what, I know him from something though. I, he looked very familiar.
1: My name is Draw. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that he was, his first film role was in MASH, the movie. Yeah, he's pretty, he's been in a lot of Star Trek shows. I didn't, nothing jumped out at me. Else that I was just glancing very quickly. Apparently, he was discovered by Robert Altman, and he has the distinction of being the first person to say the F word in a major studio film in the MASH movie.
5: Really? Wow. Yeah. That is pretty cool. <laughs>
1: so after this we get the opening credits and after the credits drawl says he's been watching sheridan for a while what? and i'm like who hasn't been it- watching sheridan kosh <laughs> was watching him drawl's watching him
2: Delen. delen's watching him <laughs> but
5: like the credits the credit voiceover is the same right for some reason it's sounded different to me this time just the way mm-hmm. he I- spoke it or something
0: Well, when was the last time you actually let them play? Because um,
5: Well, they always play, I just don't really pay a lot of attention.
0: Right, well, earlier in the season he did re-record them, and maybe the last time you really paid attention was the first (laughs) time round, you know, (laughs) um, the first couple of episodes. And then I think it was about episode 10 he re-recorded them.
2: Does it still say the same thing?
0: He still says the same thing, but okay. kind of, they got a better audio um, uh-huh. setup, and, you know, yeah, and... yeah,
4: that sort of thing. The, the first time they made him record it without seeing the visuals, so the kind of beats weren't right.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: But I don't think the DVDs have the old version, I think they have the new version throughout, so.
5: So I'm really just
1: making up. <laughs>
5: That's weird. It was like, oh, this sounds slightly different.
0: I don't know why.
1: I thought this was a funny scene. Like, you know, I keep going on talking. You know, I can wait for you to finish getting dressed. <laughs> it's just like, all of a sudden.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, if you wanted to speak to him whilst he wasn't dressed, he could have just waited a few minutes.
5: Right. Yeah. yeah just it's
0: not that urgent.
5: And plus, he's, Sorry. like, super, um, like, he's just basically like he's there in the room. Like, before, I think he was more of a hologrammy. um... And he sort of comes in as a hologram and
2: then yeah, just completely there.
1: I thought he was a hologram the whole time.
0: Yeah, the way I see it is kind of the power of the um, planet is great. Now it's got a well caretaker, whereas before they didn't really have the full capabilities. Whereas now they can project someone and make them look solid.
5: Yeah, I guess that must be it.
1: So he... Said, yeah, like he said, the machinist made him look thirty years younger. He invites Sheridan down for a visit as soon as possible. He says that Sheridan can bring one other, and he'll know who.
5: Just like spit it out. <laughs> Just, yeah. saying. it's so cryptic.
1: Yeah, bring well, him in with you.
0: I think the Membari religious cast must get tutored in being cryptic.
5: Yeah, <laughs> that's one of their. They're like elves, right? He's the one that says elf line. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
5: what was the actor's name again? I'm gonna look him up.
2: I need to
1: know he was in. John Shuck S H S C H U C K okay.
2: Never would have figured out how to spell that. <laughs> Alright, go go ahead.
1: Yeah, I think I actually
4: know him from the like Star Trek Six. It's probably the most the the thing I think of him most in, so also, the Golden Girls, but I don't expect. To know that. <laughs>
1: I don't remember from that. I used to watch. It. Um,
2: well, I could tell
4: you the whole plot of his episode, but it's not. That's not this podcast.
1: <laughs> Golden Girls podcast.
2: There should be one.
1: There really should.
4: Well, that's a joke I have running through all my guest appearances that I'm going to start one one day. <laughs> An intro cast,
0: <laughs> a Golden Girls good. intro cast.
2: Oh yeah, prediction. Oh, I will guess.
0: And I've never seen it, so
2: it can be your newbie.
1: (laughs) Uh Oh! Next, we see Jakar speaking with War Leader Justin, who is his uncle. He may—I don't know if you recognize this actor or not, but he's played by William Morgan Shepard, who played the Soul Hunter in season one.
0: Oh! Oh, Oh, yeah, I remember. Mark Shepard's father, remember? Soul
5: yeah. Hunter One,
1: Soul Hunter One, yeah,
5: SH One. <laughs> so basically, the guy that was like very dramatic when, yeah, I, yeah, I could <laughs> kind of see it because he was freaking pretty slowly.
0: <laughs> Not as slowly as last time. No,
1: Maybe they um, spread it up a little bit. Yeah, the draw was it's the dramatic. He's
0: uh, a bit more animated in this one, in this role.
1: So it turns out the Narn war, the war against the Centauri isn't going well. The Centauri forces are closing in on them. The Kari, which is their government, their ruling body, is trying to make everyone believe that they're doing better than they are. They do have one chance. They're going to, uh, to attack a Centauri supply world, Gorash 7. They're going to commit the bulk of their forces and try to convince the Centauri that they've been underestimated. They're successful, this will give them time to bolster their defenses, but the drawback is that this is going to leave their homeworld with few defenses. But Justin says their projections show that they have enough to protect homeworld. world and their window of vulnerability will be very small. And Justin tells Jakar how important the work he does on Babylon 5 is, so he needs to stay there and says goodbye before he leaves.
0: Yeah, his life was incredibly foreshadowing it was foreshadowing, foreshadowing
1: yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, this was a bad idea as soon as it came out of his mouth yeah
1: like you know he's going to die because of this dialogue thing. <laughs> in the corridor um, Sheridan runs into Delenn. Sheridan's in a hurry she tells him that drawl appeared to her too and they head off together
2: yeah they do
0: <laughs>
1: Did you uh, see the look Sheridan
0: gives Sarah as he, she kind of storms off? all oh, the looks. All yeah. the looks. And it's he always has this like, half smile. Yeah. Oh.
5: It's
2: like, he's, just, just, like, like, he's all giddy and yeah. <laughs> in
1: lust. I'm going with the land. I'm going with the land. <laughs> Back on Centauri Prime. Rifa knows about this planned Narn attack, and he thinks it's true, and he at least convinced the generals that it's true. But while this attack is going on, they're going to launch a full-scale attack on the Narn homeworld. They're going to use mass drivers, which have been outlawed by every civilized planet. They only need help from Londo's allies. Hmm. Londo doesn't want to call his friends for help, but he agrees to one last time with he thinks the Centauri must cease their destiny themselves. Reefa was arguing that this would help save Centauri lives if he ends the war quickly.
0: Reef is playing Londo here. Yeah. I mean, he knows just what to say to get Londo to commit himself.
5: They just don't want to know what, what Londo's allies are. I mean, it's like, oh, no. you think they'd be curious
0: about that? If this. it gets
2: the job done, yeah. and they don't have, they pretty much don't have the blood on their hands. It's all on Londo.
0: And I can
2: take the credit for
0: it. Yep. And, they should be uh,
5: scared about a society or a civilization so powerful that they can just at a whim destroy yeah. anything that Londo asked them to.
2: And pretty much Londo lost all of my sympathies in this episode because up until this point I have, you know, felt like he was being put in a bad position and that, you know, he he kind of couldn't get out of it once he started. But at this point I'm like no you're that's it you know you you could have said no and so yeah Yeah. and especially by the end I'm just like okay
0: nope the thing is though reefer every time he comes on the screen each episode and each scene he just gets slimier and just more dastardly and just uh, yeah Mm -hmm. I hate him with each episode
1: I can't remember which scene, but I was reading something that said that in one scene in the background, you see uh, some kind of creature with wings, and there, maybe that was a Centauri cat. <laughs> not not living. I think it maybe was a statue of a creature with wings. Huh. I'll go back and look for that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Reefa says that they're going to have the Narn at their feet, and this time they'll keep him there.
5: Mm-hmm. So, Londo yeah. said he dials Morden yeah
1: (laughs) he's got him on speed dial
0: Mm -hmm. well you know Lando seems to sorry um, Morden seems to go to Babylon 5 a lot as a meeting point something tells me we're not seeing a scene here where he calls up Veer and tells Veer to bring um, Morden into this and that would have been an interesting scene
5: because all the assistants are just not there anymore
0: yeah (laughs) yeah we don't see it at all in this episode.
2: It's been a while. It has. And now I'm really wondering what's happened to Natoth.
1: <laughs> uh, another airlock accident.
2: <laughs> well, because oh, especially no. after the effects of this episode.
1: Yeah. Back on Babylon 5, Garibaldi, Sheridan, and Delenn are discussing the messages from Jal- Drawl. Delenn believes they're legit. Um, others are a little skeptical because he doesn't look the same. And we're like, duh, it's a different guy.
3: Oh
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the, this is where says he looks the same way he did when he was her mentor. And then Ivanova comes in and says that they've determined that the message is genuine. So that settles that, and Charity wants to go down.
5: But weirdly, they couldn't find really anything to support the messages before. Yeah. And Sinclair was like, oh,
1: uh, never mind. On Centauri Prime, it's time for Rifa and Londo to join the fleet going to the home world they're going to personally oversee their victory
0: yeah this bit is reefer again manipulating londo It's yeah you know really it's that whole thing of i think reefer's moving londo around the board so that if any of his enemies come for reefer they've got to uh kind of deal with londo it's you know, Londo's, his cat's poor in all of this. That's what I'm trying to say, I think.
1: So then we see Sheridan and delenn leave Babylon 5 for Epsilon 3. And over in Medlab, Jakar comes because Franklin wanted to see him. Franklin tells him about some more refugees that came in, but one particular refugee was questioned by the Centauri about the Narn homeworld's defenses, and... Their questioning, seemed very urgent, which is unlike the Centauri. It seemed like they're going to head straight for the Narn home world, instead of being as thorough as they normally are.
2: Uh, Franklin has, Sorry. Franklin has certainly picked a side.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. Is that how ethical is that?
0: Also, um, oh. we we've heard him before say, you know, he sides his side is life. Uh, you know, he. He's a doctor, and he'll heal anyone. Yeah. Um, Plus,
5: the Centauri are the worst. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, as uh, I just was saying, I like how this is directed, though. You've got really tight angles, and it feels like they're off in a corner somewhere when they're actually in the middle of a med lab.
5: It feels like they're what?
0: Off in a corner, having this quiet discussion. Oh. But yeah. really, they're in the middle of Med Lab. But the way it's directed, keeping the angles really close together and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think they do a really good job here. This and a couple of other things in this episode are really well directed.
1: Uh, so the and Sheridan arrive on Epsilon 3 and Sheridan is impressed by what he sees.
0: Well, yeah, the CGI is um, much better nowadays.
1: <laughs> yeah, than season one. <laughs> Next Jakar is passing on what he's heard to Justin, who he doesn't think it's enough to stop the mission and he promises to finish the conversation when he returns.
5: Yep, of course he does. hmm
1: Uh there's a line from Game of Thrones season one like next time I see you, we'll blah 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 and of course <laughs> <laughs> never happens. No.
2: Whenever you leave things unresolved, then that character is going to die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Next, Delyn and Sheridan come across Drawl. Drawl says that he likes Delyn's changes, so I guess he didn't see her when he spoke to her earlier on the station, or well, I no, know. no, he's just got a flair for the dramatic. That's all. Okay,
2: <laughs> he wanted to wait and tell her in person, yeah,
0: uh, yeah. or
2: as in person <laughs> yeah. as it gets like as close as
5: she could get to
0: his yeah. person. Well, for one thing, he didn't need to call them down to the planet to tell them any of this. They could have that's done true. it. <laughs> so he's yeah. kind of he he's showing off
2: basically yeah he wanted some <laughs> company a good point
5: He did not need to make them go down the five mile long tunnel that they had <laughs> yeah
1: Strahl explains to them that he can look into distant worlds and he's learned some things about the captive like the death of his wife and the conspiracy of light I like D'Lynn's reaction when she heard the conspiracy of light mentioned she's like hmm, what's this <laughs> He's talking about, and now that Draw knows the full capabilities of the machine, he wants to put them at Sheridan's disposal, and this is where he says the name of the episode.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Boy, Sheridan's just getting handed all sorts of power, isn't he?
1: I know. Sheridan... Oh, no, never mind. (laughs) The Narn ships come out of hyperspace at the Centauri colony, but the shadows show up.
3: Oh, boy. And
1: there's... Yeah, there's an awesome battle. I think. I think that's probably like the biggest battle we've seen on the show so, so far. Really like. yeah. good. Yeah, the
2: spiders like splitting off into little smaller spiders
0: and
1: yeah, little baby spiders. Yeah, spiders. <laughs> oh, it's.
0: It was a great bit of a. It's just lovely the thought that's been put into this, you know. Those are organic vessels. You can tell straight off. It's just, these are shadow babies. It's shadow babies. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: that would be a cartoon called Shadow Babies.
0: Uh, yeah. Um, so, it's he, he, just done really well. That's all I can say.
5: Uh-huh. And somebody was able to get a piece out of one of them.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it like shot but,
2: off one of its legs.
0: Well, that's the thing, it oh, only a little bit of the leg as well, but it took three ships firing at full power just to do that. Yeah. And it didn't really affect it that much. Yeah,
2: yeah but, but, they, still... but they can be hit.
0: <laughs> they can yeah. be
1: hit. So while this is going on, Jakar is praying, and JMS did say that, you know, his, they weren't trying to say that, his praying was related to the ship being wounded at that point. It kind of looked oh, like...
5: Oh, it did kind of.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know the commentary you said, maybe Jaquad helped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, and then the scene, I don't know if we've heard it before, but there's some music that I like, and we'll hear it again, but that's all I'm going to say about that.
0: It's an example of Christopher of... Um, <laughs> I can't remember his last name. Yeah, that's it. He's a brilliant score. And just as we go forward, you'll hear more of it. He's just really getting into his stride now.
1: So, in the end, the Narn are really no match for the Shadows, despite being able to damage one of the ships. So, the Narn start to retreat, but the Shadows cause the jump gate to collapse, and it destroys the remaining Narn ships. The shadows pick up their damaged ship and leave.
0: Hmm.
1: Back on Babylon 5, it's like Jakar can tell the battle's over. He puts out the last candle. There were a bunch of candles lit earlier.
5: Yeah. And- Presumably he's gone around pinching each one of them.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, well, at least we see candles being put out at last. it has <laughs> <laughs> been two seasons
1: and they're finally put out. JMS says that the candles were supposed to subtly represent hope, and at the end, his last hope has been destroyed by the shadows.
5: Mm-hmm. Well, he shouldn't know it, but yeah.
0: Yeah, still, it's know. good <laughs> of symbology, you
1: know. Yeah. On epsilon three, Drawl doesn't think Sheridan should tell Earth about their new alliance, and Sheridan agrees.
2: Yeah, he shouldn't really tell Earth about much. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> no.
2: Plus, it's
0: very they-
1: vague.
2: <laughs> What are you gonna say
0: yeah.
5: exactly?
2: I have an alliance with all <laughs> like the, a crazy person uh, being on this planet. That <laughs> yeah, oh. now I just sound crazy. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. they
5: just all I
0: thought here? here is okay. We can now go and strip mine that planet. Yay!
5: <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: <laughs>
5: oh, it has a weapon. We can we can study. Great.
0: Yeah.
1: They talk about Drawl being alone. He says he isn't alone, and conveniently he's interrupted by distress calls ah. before explaining what he was talking about.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, He tells Delyn it's time to introduce Sheridan to the others, and when he said that, I'm thinking, the others have your daughter, Delyn, But
2: it's
0: not the show. Oh, no, it is kind of funny <laughs> that it's the same actress. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Hilarious. I actually just uh, wrote an email to Intro to X uh, using Bernard's name in oh, the yeah. email. It, so
1: man, he was kind of a in this episode. Wasn't <laughs> <he>? <laughs> <laughs> um, Dylan and Sheridan leave, but then when Drol is alone, he starts calling for Zathras. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, I was—it's so funny because during the commentary, I was like, "Okay, get back to the war, get back to the war," and then at this point, I was like.
0: No, no, wait, stay, stay there! <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's it's fantastically done. Uh, when we get to predictions, I just have to hear your thoughts
1: on this. Oh. Oh, boy. I don't <laughs> trying know to get good it was, ones. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know if it was this scene or an earlier where Dylan touched Jarl, even though he's not really there. <laughs> But it was just an accident. Delin wasn't supposed to touch him. And nobody noticed it until later. It uh, was too much trouble to go back and refilm it.
5: Oh, I didn't notice. I didn't either.
1: The JMS says that his sense that if it's like a virtual reality situation, she would feel it even though he's not there. So, yeah, his image would be...
0: Yeah, hand view yes. him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, back on B5, Ivanova tells Garibaldi about... The Centauri offensive against the Narn homeworld, and they have to get ready for the trouble that they know is coming. Yeah, yeah, I didn't like what you said on the commentary about this next scene, how this bar is just full of Narn and Centauri. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, there's like, a few bar. It's like they're they're all few of a bar. There are a there. There's a few men bari there in the background, and then, just yeah, yes, before couple, it all kicks yeah. off, they sneak away. this kind of quick get out of it to kick off. You can tell and this coming.
1: escalated very quickly. They're all just, first they're all just there, and then a couple seconds later they're all fighting. <laughs> like, yeah.
0: Suddenly there's a Centauri news um uh, martial
1: arts. I know, that was an awesome spin kick. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they're
0: all foot people. Weird.
1: Yeah. Weird that, yeah. The uh, reporter who is giving the news report is played by Riff Hutton. He does a lot of voice work, like he was in Rio 2 and Paranorman, and he did a voice on Eureka, a computer on Eureka, and he was in Generations and Star Trek Generations and Caprica, and he played the general in a Buffy episode, The Killer in Me.
0: Okay, yeah. okay. I'm sure we've seen him once before on iSN at least. Okay. But uh, yeah, he's definitely a more prominent uh, ISM broadcaster
1: in this one. Yeah. Delane and Sheridan arrive on the station, and Lynn is escorted back to her quarters. And now we go to a, what I thought was an excellent scene the Narn Homeworld, where
0: oh, Londo oh, yes.
1: witnesses the bombing of uh, the Narn Homeworld. I think this scene is probably a iconic image among b5 fans it's, there's no dialogue in it and he has to do it all with his facial expressions
0: it, it's done so well and uh, again great direction here with the use of reflections right and that yeah. cgi reflections as well that's the incredible thing
4: this scene yeah, is why the- i chose this episode I had actually forgotten that the later scene was in the same episode, so I was kind of happy about that, because there's a later scene that I really liked too. But this was the kind of iconic uh, season two image that I wanted to be on for, because it's just it's my favourite, one of my favourite moments in the series.
0: Yeah, Yeah. and it's kind of... um, It took me a few watches uh, originally before I realised what mass drivers were. Basically, it's the use of machines to pick up asteroids and hurl them at a planets. Oh. It's what okay, are it's, it's mass drivers, um, they call it, but they also call it planetary bombardment. They're using asteroids and just hurling them at planets.
2: Wow. Yeah, I was really trying to figure out what that meant because they kept throwing that term around, and I was like, okay, is it like an atomic bomb? Like, what are we talking about here?
0: Well, the force at which they're hitting the planet.
2: <laughs> yeah. Know,
0: practically so, but uh, Yeah. No wonder they're
4: outlawed. It's like what wiped out the dinosaurs, but hitting you a hundred times instead of just once. Oh, yeah. Though probably not asteroids that big. They might be smaller than that, but still.
0: Still, if you, you know, hundreds or thousands, literally four days worth of bombarding the planet with asteroids.
2: Yeah. Would there be anything left? I mean, I don't know.
0: Well, you hear the quote later in the episode bombing them back to the stone age literally yeah leveling the planet yeah
5: yeah their economy is in trouble (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh that was so
2: funny
0: (laughs) okay yeah that that's a bit of a silliness later on but the weight of this scene just is incredible and i know jason you love this but it's just done so well that it's it stays in your mind and you've you've yeah, it's really effective, I think. I think it's cause because Londo
4: has five emotions on his face all at the same time. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, yeah.
0: And you can only really tell that through multiple viewings, I think. You know, you, the more you see of what's going on, the more you can read into Londo's expression.
1: Yeah, I think I watched this scene like two or three times, even though I've seen this episode before, just had to watch it again. JMS did say he, um, thinks the director called cut a little too soon. Like, they used every frame and even extended the. They froze the final, final frame and extended it a few seconds. But mm. he thought the scene turned out really well. You
0: see, all us experienced viewers are just going on about how much we love this and. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I know. We're always talking about how great Peter Jurisic is, but this is <laughs> one of those examples.
5: Oh, it's a really, really cool scene. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And very good effects and, you know, just very powerful. The only thing that didn't work for me was the very, very, very end when he looks down. I thought I should have cut on him looking straight forward, but that's the only thing that I didn't really that didn't really work for me. But it was really awesome. I agree.
1: Back on Babylon five they got things locked down and we hear another ISN report the Minbari Earth and Borlan governments have a foul official protests against the Centauri for using mass drivers. Interesting that the Borlan or yeah, they usually
0: Yeah, they usually stay out with these things.
1: Yeah. Word has reached ISN of cities being utterly destroyed, the <laughs> planetary economy has collapsed and medical aid is hard to come by and if this keeps up their whole infrastructure will collapse
0: and the quote is from someone we've actually met before on Babylon Five, Senator Quantrell
1: oh yeah I remember
3: Mm.
0: Uh, yeah that slimy politician from the news episode
1: now for a word
0: yeah again that's what JMS does he Just drops in this line and if you've been paying attention, you recognize the name.
1: Jakar, we see Jakar speaking to someone back home. They want to surrender to save lives. But this guy wants Jakar to remain on Babylon 5. He's the only one of the Kari who is still safe. And he has a message from the Kari to Jakar and it's the hardest thing he's ever had to ask Jakar to do.
0: Yeah, we know how proud Jakar is, and this is just just the start of something devastating.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Jakar goes to see Sheridan. He's been instructed by his government to ask for sanctuary. Mm. Yeah.
0: Once again, I love the direction in this, because all you see at first is his shadow walking into the room, and when he's asking for sanctuary, he's... A, a shadow is creeping over his face, and he—it's like he's being swallowed by darkness. By you know the because of the fact his government has fallen, his world's fallen. You know he's he's being swallowed up
5: by shadows,
0: mm-hmm. and he's seeking
1: sanctuary with the light.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Next, Londo arrives back on the station. Uh, He's talking to Garibaldi. Londo wants to convene a meeting of the B5 Advisory Council in the League of Nonaligned Worlds as soon as possible. The anger
0: on Garibaldi's
1: face. Yeah, I can see he was, yeah, there.
5: And Londo, his... I mean, at this point, you know, because before Londo may have seemed kind of on the fence or, you know, maybe not liked Garibaldi being so hard, you know, like maybe trying to be conciliatory but Londo is just like chosen like he yeah too, it's too late you know he can't at go least back I'm
1: public- oh, sorry but, <laughs> I said at least publicly he has to be yeah you know, like that but
5: but even like you know just talking to Garibaldi whereas maybe before he might have been a little bit hurt or you know trying to to make Garibaldi not feel that way he just was like no you know fine whatever yeah
1: so, in the council meeting, Londo announces that the Norm regime has surrendered and he reads off the terms. One, the Kyrie will be disbanded and its members subject to arrest and trial. At this point, Sheridan requests the rights to send observers like they did in a previous episode when the Centaur up to no good, but this time it didn't work. Londo rejects the request.
4: Yeah, that was the end of season one.
5: <laughs> they have a lot of they have a lot of confidence in themselves right now
0: <laughs> oh yeah I, it's yeah, yeah the it's very it. interesting the scene and londo in the scene, especially if you contrast it with his expression during the bombing scene and later on when he're watching the news um yeah i i, I sir. So, certain theories that kind of this is a front, this is a face he is the voice of the Centauri here, he has to be vicious, he has to be bombastic because that's A, what's expected of him and B, is the only way he can cope with what is being done, he has to put on this strong nasty face so no one f with him Sorry, sorry. I didn't realize. Uh, I just realized there uh, what rating we <laughs> we probably so, well, so that like, one message with him.
5: Well, it's kind of like when you know you've done something wrong, but yet you get antagonistic. You know, because you yeah. dare anybody to say anything. You know, you oh, know, yeah. you know, you feel guilty. But if somebody else says something, it's like you're on the attack mode.
0: Oh yeah, That's and he's like clearly in is. attack mode here.
4: Yeah, I always I always struggle if if Lando is. Just putting on a face or not on the scene because <laughs> i i i yeah it just it almost seems um like he wouldn't actually feel this way on the inside
3: yeah mm. yeah usually and, uh, with him
5: they give you a little hint that he's not feeling you know what he's showing but mm. in this one he, they didn't give you any of those hints
0: yeah and that's only the first point we've got to his next point I just yeah. if remember hearing your reactions to this in the commentary. You know, too, when it comes to this second point.
5: Well, us and the Pack moran Pac-Moran was like, yeah. what? Yeah. <laughs> what?
0: Yeah, the death <laughs> for a Narn killing a Centauri, five hundred Narns, including the per- perpetrator's own family.
5: Right. <laughs> Presumably, yeah. they have some like. Well, I'm not. I, I don't want to presume anything, but. You would think they'd have some, like, interplanetary rules. I mean, they have the driver's rule. I mean, this should be some kind of war crime
1: right here. Yeah, just ink on a page. Mm. Yeah, you, um...
0: But even in modern day, um, you know, when a powerful country commits a war crime, you can't exactly do anything about it unless you want to declare war.
5: Yeah, it's it's a hard to... I mean, there's really not a lot to do other than... I mean, you could try sanctions. Uh,
1: yeah. I think there was presidents for this kind of penalty like during World War II, maybe when some of the countries that were occupied, maybe there was a similar rule in place. I can remember reading that.
0: Well, yeah, I think um, a lot of what gets done gets drawn upon... Um, you know, history, and sometimes the actor's personal histories as well.
1: His third condition was that the Centauri will appoint a provisional ruling council to rebuild Narn as a colony of the Centauri Republic.
5: That always goes well.
1: Yeah. Mm. On, um, the fourth one is that Jakar is no longer the representative of the Narn, and citizen Jakar would be returned to Narn for trial... Sheridan objects because he's given uh, Jakar's sanctuary, and Delyn backs him on this, and she looks awesome in this, <laughs> when she stands <laughs> up and stands beside uh, Sheridan. Yep. Yeah. Um, Lando orders that Jakar be removed from the council, and Jakar leaves willingly after giving a parting warning, which I won't
0: call it. Oh, but <laughs> uh, it's a lovely moment. Though. What I found interesting is... Kosh is in the scene, but the only shot we get of him is as Jakar's standing up and about to give his speech. It's the only thing that draws his attention. I find that uh, I mean it's just I it's first time I kind of noticed it on this what's true and yeah. why why is that the thing that draws his attention? Uh I don't know. Uh what is about this scene you uh, love then, Jason? I'm I'm presuming it's this scene you were uh, talking just, about just, earlier. Yeah,
4: just the whole scene. Um, just like like I said, I don't really know what Lando is thinking on the inside. Just he gets matter you know, just how bad he gets when they're when they're trying to get rid of Jakar, and of course Jakar's uh, responses is, is pretty good too. Uh, just just the acting. I just want to throw Emmys at the
0: scene. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the two of them. Um, the great thing with. Lando interesting when Jakar's making his speech, there's a moment you think Londo is gonna say something, but he he realizes as you know, a certain line comes up, no, I'll let him speak. He has a right to say this.
1: I wonder if this episode was up for Hugo's problem. Um just one little thing I'll point out. Um there is a part during this scene where Londo coughs one time and if you remember back to that dream he had of an older version of himself he's coughing a little bit in that scene
5: Hmm.
1: i'll just leave that hmm yeah
5: is that something you noticed or like some kind of official well
1: well, i noticed he coughed and then in the um jms did say that that was placed there
5: intentionally Mm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah i mean kosh you know, it was kind of weird to have cautious standing there not saying anything, but then you remember—you know—he basically said, "This is, this is just sideshow. You know, this is not the focus of of my attention." This
0: yeah, time. yeah, which is, which is why it makes it interesting that he looks at Dakar and that gets his attention.
5: Yeah, is it? What
4: was the line? he Well, said? he did say, "Let them," or he said, "Uh, he yeah, let them, let them both, ask. let them both die."
0: Yeah. Um, Heidi, what were you going to say?
2: I was just going to say, is it really weird to see Kosh stand there and say nothing? <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, what happened to all his cryptic comments
5: there? just didn't say anything anymore.
1: I think even Kosh has a little bit of respect for Jakar.
4: Well, they already had Draw on this episode, so he has to. <laughs> right, he has to everything has to be a riddle
0: for Draw. So, so you're saying JMS only has quite a quota of cryptic um, information per episode?
2: He doesn't want the two characters to sound too similar.
1: Well, let's see. Let's get Drawl and Kosh in a room together. Oh, I guess. Can you
2: imagine the conversations they No,
1: had. it's Drawl, Kosh, and Delenn.
0: Then you get a lot of speechification going on.
2: See, Drawl. Drawl <laughs> would just talk and talk and talk and talk. And then every once in a while, Kosh would just come out with something. No, we
0: <laughs> just say, Yes. <laughs>
4: And I don't know if uh if uh, if Will was gonna bring this up or not, but the uh you might have to think back to an earlier episode when um, um Londo was talking to Morden about all the things they could do and and Londo says, Well why don't we just wipe out the whole the Nar homeworld and Morden says yeah. one thing at a time.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: hmm. You said in that as well, you know, careful what he wishes for.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah, it's coming true.
2: I still it's still on my mind why Londo was the one that got his wishes granted, and not Jakar. I have no answer. It's just still floating out there.
4: I think it's because uh, what, did, what does he say in the episode that uh, once his people were free, he would be done. There wouldn't be anything else for
1: him to do. You know, to call
0: yeah, Jakar just but wanted to Londo was revenge. A, yeah,
1: yeah, Londo. And Jakar says something like, it doesn't really matter what I want anyway, because I, I think, I don't know, maybe realize that with Jakar that, I don't know.
2: <laughs> maybe he could uh, see Londo going all the way with it and yeah. Jakar backing off. Mm.
4: Yeah, I think Londo has his own uh, pride and ego and uh, desires and, and none of that uh, appeals to Jakar.
0: Well, at the time, you weren't kind of fully, uh, you know, at the time, you didn't fully realize all the intricacies of both of the characters. You only got this surface level, and they both looked fairly similar at the time.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And we're only in season two.
4: Yeah, I think my impression is that the uh, Lando's answer didn't have a stopping point,
5: and Jakar's well, Lando's did. was like more about power, and Jakar's was more about revenge or something like that. That was my impression. Right. And, and he can still help Jakar, There's nothing stopping him from turning and helping Jakar,
2: yeah, but I think to me, it seems like the point was to i don't I don't know to weaken both civilizations and yeah, I don't know, I don't know what the spider's end game is that's that's part yeah, of and it.
5: honestly, they don't need a wish <laughs> for
0: that so. huh. again, this episode gives so many things to speculate on and so many really places,
1: everything you go once this episode's over with. In Londo's quarters, he's watching an ISN report. He seems happy, and the report mentions that the Centauri are going to annex some more worlds. I don't know if Londo's maybe seemed a little worried when they mentioned that part or not. Or...
0: It seemed that way to me, but again, you could be reading into things that aren't quite there. Oh, good. This is. I didn't
4: realize this was in this episode, so I wasn't going to mention it. But yeah, I think that's also why they chose the Centauri, because this is the kind of thing. Um, you know, the the Narn would have been happy and been done, but we see the Centauri have totally defeated the Narn, and now they're taking over more systems. So they're not. They're not ready to be done yet.
2: Mm-hmm. They're conquerors rather than
1: mm.
2: rather than just the revenge factor.
1: Next, Sheridan offers Jakar any help that he can give him, says that he'd be weird not having him in the council chambers, and, no, no, Sheridan said, I know we've had our problems, I'm trying to remember exactly what problems have they had, I know Jakar had problems with Sinclair, maybe I'm just not remembering something.
5: Well, didn't um, Jakar go kind of wonky at some point, and start, like, attacking
2: people in the hallway, and...
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, things like that, yeah.
2: Just things based on the Centauri War and him feeling powerless, pretty much.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Okay. Yeah, I've always thought that was... The, the the line was more of a mistake, though, just to hold over from um, Sinclair's Sinclair. time.
0: Yeah, it'd mean more if it was Sinclair saying this because the whole thing from The Gathering and um, then, you know, the first episode
1: of um, Season 1, so they shake, and Jakar reminds him what happened the last time he shook someone's hand. And Sheridan gets a call about Dylan wanting to see him. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, and Captain,
0: she's not in the gardens.
1: It's not a booty call. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Sheridan goes to see Dylan, and she tells him about the Rangers, and Garibaldi and Kasha there. Cush didn't say anything this episode. No, he didn't say anything this episode. Um, no. She warns him that the Great War is soon up on them, and they need a Fortress of Light to stand against the darkness, which is B five. She transfers equal authority over the Rangers to him, and he's happy for some good news and speechifies a little bit. And
0: yes,
2: he does. The episode. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he gets to make a speech, with people there.
0: Yeah. yeah. And a speech that feels like it would come right out of a, a series finale, but no, we've still got two episodes to go.
2: Um okay, I have a question about this because I really could not remember. Does Ivanova know about the Rangers? She doesn't, right?
1: I don't think she so. just knows no. about
2: um about Sheridan's like plans, you know, to um yes. To, the, I don't know what his plans are, but with Earth, like she knows about that.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah, she knows about that
1: light.
2: <laughs> okay. Um.
0: Um. And Garibaldi doesn't know yet about um, the shadows, but he does know about the Rangers. Right. Um,
2: and figuring out who knows what is really confusing. Yeah. Seriously.
1: <laughs> they all need to sit down and. <laughs> Let's Get all
2: of this mm. out here. Yeah,
5: and
0: Clarence doesn't know
4: anything. <laughs>
2: Clarence. <laughs> Poor Clarence, is Clarence.
4: It will be clear every time someone knows, though. So,
2: yeah, I figured you know there'll there'll have to be a point when maybe Ivanova figures out about this, or because I was actually thinking about like with her psi abilities and you know just different things that could really play into this, and maybe her being angry with them for. Not filling her in, because she's like the only person that doesn't know about this. But that's for theories, really.
5: It's just surprising how many people there are on Babylon 5 that are working with them. It's quite a lot.
2: Yeah. And lots of mimbari
0: Well, the rangers are a group of human and mm-hmm. Um And, yeah, I wonder... But that many
2: on Babylon 5 is
0: what I would Well, say. it's been four days since Droll told her to introduce him to the others. Perhaps she put a call out and a lot of people came to Babylon 5.
2: Ranger radio.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Wando has his cell phone to Morden and...
1: <laughs> <laughs> she said the Great War is soon up on them. Interesting.
5: I, I don't know, the, rain, the ranger thing is still a little vague to me in terms of what they're doing. So I couldn't quite get as excited as the scene wanted me to get at the end.
0: Yeah, they all
1: happened just so hmm Yeah, so we did have a couple of predictions um, that either Londo or Jakar will get exactly what they want, which Londo did basically,
5: mm-hmm. or what they think they want. Yeah.
1: Yeah, there was a prediction about a genocide happening. I guess we can say that happened.
5: Getting
0: close. Yeah. Yeah. We- most of the Narn population must have been on um, Narn, so. Uh, is this, this the first episode? Genocide? Is this Sorry? the first
4: episode where we get the planet's name? Or have they, uh, have they said it previously in the show? They've
0: said Narn previously, but. Oh, okay. I did but we know different. it's Narnia. It's Narnia. Okay. I actually <laughs> prefer <laughs> Narnia. Yeah, <poor>
4: Narnia. <laughs> so I want you to think about what's just happened to Narnia.
2: Yeah, poor Narnia.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the wardrobe
2: um,
1: has been destroyed.
2: It's okay, the lion will rise. <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, which, I can't remember which one of you I.D. Elizabeth uh, predicted that the Centauri would win I don't remember uh, had, uh,
2: that's right because we had a thing going on didn't we Elizabeth? Yeah, yeah you we, did. Did. we had a we thing about who
5: Earth would support oh well,
2: I guess there's no support needed anymore yeah, I well. <clears throat>
5: so think we were saying if Earth was to take a side
2: uh-huh. which side would we choose I think and so.
5: I said Tari because they want the side, the side technology to be able <laughs> to travel across the you know,
2: universe. And I said Narn so that I could be on the other side.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are we ready to do Quotes of the Week?
2: Yes. And I will go first. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, another great mini bit of continuity.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Anyone else? I have the Jakar quote at the end, but I don't feel like I could do it. (laughs) Well,
0: I'm I'm just wondering, Jason, because it's a great scene, and it's one of the reasons you want... The I, I actually
4: want you just to splice the audio from the episode into this to,
0: into the podcast because that'll be. Oh, we, yes, yes. I don't think any of us could do it justice. Oh, okay.
1: You know, there's a quote from season four that I was actually planning on doing that for because this is my favorite quote of the entire series. But I'll do it for this one too.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think there's a few along the way we can do. Uh, yeah, definitely do it for this one.
1: No dictator no invader can hold an imprisoned population by force of arms forever. There is no greater power in the universe
3: than the need for freedom. Against that power, governments and tyrants and armies cannot stand.
0: The Centauri learned this lesson once.
1: teach it to them again though it take a thousand years we will be free
4: yeah I can do the I do the speechifying uh, Sheridan uh, quote because he's not as good an actor so I don't have to worry about not being good (laughs) Uh, tell them that from this place we will deliver notice to the parliaments of conquerors that a line has been drawn against the darkness and we will hold that line no matter the cost
0: Okay, I'll actually do droll then. A humble. I can come back after you finish dressing. Then I wouldn't wish to be an inconvenience.
5: <laughs> I would never feel safe.
2: Mm, no. <laughs> no. <laughs>
1: I could be watching you at any time. No. Yeah.
2: Shower with your bathing suit on and <laughs> you got to get the bathing suit on dang it's it. true ah <laughs> um maybe he can't see through steel or something <laughs> uh-huh. oh wait that's superman gosh can i borrow your suit <laughs> yeah that's what it there. <laughs> um i have one more uh from drawl zathras zathras he's never around when he's needed <laughs>
4: Yeah, I was happy to hear you guys I didn't know if you guys you seemed happy to see Zathras
2: I,
5: I wanted to see Zathras
0: yeah we hear his name mentioned
1: uh, ready to do characters of the week who's our human of the week oh. uh, I was kind of having trouble deciding I just went with Sheridan
0: I think Sheridan because no one else really has much to do in this
1: episode
5: yeah yeah
1: I could argue. I could always argue for Clarence if he's in an episode.
5: <laughs> <laughs> okay, argue he, for him.
1: <laughs> well, he was. He did, had a scene with his buddy Clarice, and they were awesome. They told him about the Clarice. disturbance. Whatever, Clarence. <laughs> Clarice. Clarice. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, I, I guess uh, Sheridan probably. Sheridan, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, who's our alien of the week? We've
0: got a lot to choose from this oh. week. Yeah, oh, it has to be Jakar though. It, just for that speech alone, that uh, oh. What Man.
5: about Londo? Londo's a good choice too. I know he's a great
0: choice. he just he, he got I, that great speech, but then you've got that scene where Londo has some great acting without saying anything.
2: <laughs> I, I feel like uh, I feel like we shouldn't kick Jakar while he's down, though, and <laughs> so we should probably give it to him. My
4: voice Chakar. my vote is Jakar. Not Droll. And... No. Not
2: draw. <laughs> Maybe if Zathrus was there, but No, then you'd give it to Zathrus. Well, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think we would.
1: So you didn't Zathrus. Yeah, Zathrus won in Babylon Square. Of course um... he did. Oh we did. Yeah.
0: Of course he did It's Zathras.
2: <laughs> I plan on voting for Zathrus when I see him again. Okay. Right.
1: Sheridan and Jakar, how about we rate this episode? You wanna start us out, Jason?
3: Um
4: I'm trying to think of anything I don't like about this episode.
1: <laughs> That's kinda of how I feel. Uh, yeah.
4: <laughs> I think some of the drawl uh stuff it it seems like it drags a little um it's more like set up. Like you said, they didn't really need to go down to that planet just to deliver that message. Uh, um so I give this uh, um, nine out of ten, Citizen Jakars. Awesome. Make it a nine point five. You?
1: Nine point <laughs> five. Sure, not a ten. Oh, okay. <laughs> How about you, Heidi?
2: I really can't pick out anything that I didn't like. Um, watching the second time, the draw stuff actually. Um, like having the context of what he was saying, and you know, not quite the crypticness, um, then it made it so much better. Because during the commentary, I was like, "Okay, get back to the other thing, get back to the other thing," <laughs> but uh, but that made it a lot better. And I can't pick anything to pull this down, so it's going to be a ten out of ten. Um, ten out of ten spiders missing a finger.
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> Poor spiders. How about you Elizabeth?
5: Yeah, I was thinking about this before the podcast. Like, usually I'm like, I really liked it, but, you know, there was this and I didn't really like that. And I I can't really knock anything off. It wasn't my I don't think it was my favorite episode, but it was pretty damn good and it really moved things along. So, I will have to give it my first 10
1: out of 10
0: points
5: of no return.
1: How about you, Ian?
0: The only thing I can find fault in this is that it doesn't quite reach the height I know is on the way. Opinion sprawlers as it may be, it's just a sign of things to come. And that's the only reason I can knock half a point of it, because... It's a brilliant episode, and I forgot how good it is because I was looking forward to other episodes in this season. And this one stays with you after you watch it far more than any other episode, actually. I think because the moments, there's just moments that stick with you after you see the whole series, and you forget that it's in this episode. So I've just got to go nine and a half out of ten, Mass Drivers.
1: Ah, you stole my rating system. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh damn. Okay. Um, yeah, I really love this episode, especially that scene with Londo and it's like the coming of shadows where, you know, it's not my favorite episode of the series, but I couldn't think of anything that they did wrong. So I'm going to give it my second 10 out of 10, um, silent, cautious.
5: Well, very
1: high. So that mm, so gives it a nine point eight total, our highest of the season so far, Series so far,
0: nice.
4: Yeah, when I think of this episode, all I remember is the is the uh, mass drivers. Yeah, like just that scene.
0: You you sometimes forget that either this episode has that in it, or it's the episode with a speech in it. You think they come from two separate episodes, but the fact they're together in one episode just makes it. And this isn't even the series finale yet.
1: We've <laughs> got two more to go. Mm-hmm. Do we want to hop on a mass driver to feed No. Back
0: land or not? <laughs> no, we're so not
5: land.
1: no, let's not do that. Feedback land the a,
5: economy is gonna collapse.
0: Go. <laughs> let's take a Epsilon three holographic beam to feedback land.
1: <laughs> Alright. That's far safer.
5: Let's watch feedback land in the shower.
1: <laughs> <laughs> board we're watching you in the shower buddy okay our first comment is from board 99 he's back hey, hey,
2: board.
3: Hey.
1: board says talanova people talanova
3: <laughs>
1: i like that and better some thoughts on recent episodes knives not the least of the indignities inflicted up on the narn by the centauri was the theft of most of their accents now the Centauri rejoice in a plethora of different accents while the Narn all sound basically kind of American. About Confessions and Lamentations, it's the episode that believers want it to be. About divided loyalties, so that'll be a bottle of champagne for Will then. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I And what about... you still celebrating, aren't you?
1: Yes, it's been one long, drunken binge since then. <laughs> <laughs> and what about the long Twilight Struggle? Oh yes, this is why I have such a fond memory of Season 2, isn't it? JMS doesn't do everything right by any means, but he does an excellent job of flipping your sympathies between Londo and Jakar over the course of its first two seasons. At the same time, B5 doesn't convert Londo into the stock villain that Jakar initially seemed to be. Londo still retains our sympathy, especially in that famous shot of him looking down on the bombardment of Narn in shock at what he's done. This is a place where the replacement of Sinclair with Sheridan does harm to the story, though. The one piece of the puzzle that's missing is to have been able to trace the change in Sinclair from his hostile relations with the Narn in the gathering at Midnight on the Firing Line to this. Sheridan has never had those experiences with Jakar, which deprives his exchanges with Jakar in this episode of the power that they should have had with Sinclair in his position. Thank you, Lord. It
0: is good to have you back.
1: Our next piece of feedback is a comment from Tori. He wants to do that.
2: I could take okay. that one. Tori says, I kind of wanted to see all of your reactions. I kind of wanted to see what all of your reactions would be to divided loyalties before giving mine. It's an episode where I feel a little cut off from fandom at large, as I still don't connect with the ivanova Talia relationship. And I personally feel like they only made out and then cuddled before going to bed. <laughs> I just don't feel like they had reached the point in their relationship where they'd be having sex, especially on Ivanova's side with her personal intimacy issues, as well as her attitude towards having any telepath in her mind. I'm not saying they couldn't have gotten there, but I just don't feel like they had yet.
1: Oh, they were. They did go there. That's what I'm saying.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, Teenage Me had no real relationship radar, so when fandom started going on about Ivanova and Talia being together, I just went along with them. And I did respect the show for going there once I understood there was a there for them to go. It's only really been (laughs) in recent years, possibly with seeing better done same sex relationship stories, that I can now see how little development this one gets. Mm -hmm. That I rethought this episode and concluded that I didn't see it that way anymore. On the other hand, I think Teenage Me was almost equally blind to all the Sheridan to stuff going on at this stage until I saw it directly commented on, and now I just draw hearts all over their scenes.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh
2: As for the long Twilight struggle, I don't know that I have any unpopular opinions on this one, As and as I'm sure everyone else has already said that, it's really super good. I have little to add.
1: Oh, uh, thanks, Tori. Uh, thanks, Tori. Thanks. Eric's email is from Lori. He wants to do that one.
5: I can do that one. Okay. Both Carl and I enjoyed the story retur- returning to the Centauri-Narn struggle, and particularly seeing all the ambassadors. I have not yet listened to the commentary, but predicting that Heidi and Elizabeth did as well. Yes, We saw Londo go even darker in this episode, though he does seem worried about his allies. I am sure that Veer would have argued stridently against the course of action taken. Why was Veer not around when he was needed? The shot of Londo in the ship during the battle was very tragic. It was also sad seeing his return to the station during the encounter with Garibaldi. It seems that the, if only for a little while, friendship may be at an end. Londo does start to look worried during news reports about the Centauri taking over other worlds at the the end. But will he do anything about it? Carl kept thinking, or hoping, that Londo would back off at some point. On a lighter note, Dral's character reminded me a bit of an Oz behind the curtain, as he sounded so pompous and all-knowing. Gerald does not like or trust him. What do the ambassadors think? Ooh, interesting. I don't but, think I distrust him.
2: No, I kind of have been taking him at face value. Like, he seems to definitely be on Zelen's side, so.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is he hiding something? He also seems to be the only Minbari that approves of Zelen's change. Except for Linear. Carl thought this was because he is not really Mimbari anymore, but a spokesman for the planet. We liked Franklin's small part in tipping off Jakar, and it seemed totally in character. The spider ship showed some cool new capabilities in releasing the baby spiders. Carl likes how the spider ships have no up and down, which makes more sense in space. He also noticed that one of the spider ships was injured, but then helped away at the end by another ship. What did the ambassadors make of that? It was pretty cool. (laughs) The surrender terms given by the Centauri to the Narn were much too harsh. Carl predicts this will unite the other worlds against them. However, Jakar's speech, great delivery. Questions to the ambassadors. Where is Zathras and why? (laughs) Sheridan makes some strong promises to both Jakar and the Rangers on behalf of B5, but would Earth back him up on those? Well... I would just say it wasn't really... Was it really on behalf of B5, or... I guess since he's a commander. I don't know. That's kind of interesting. I don't see Earth as backing him up on much.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm, It's any resources he has. So, anything Earth lets him get away with, I suppose. Yeah, I think
5: you just don't tell Earth. Quotes. Londo. Listen to me, Rifa. My allies have begun to worry me. Reports I have received. Their sheer strength. I am not reluctant. I just feel that things are moving too quickly. They threaten to spin out of control. Um, And Delenn, absofragunlutely, damn it. Uh, Since our last discussion, I've been studying your use of language. Do you approve? Ratings, Carl. Rating a three. Dialogue spoken that means you are going to die.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think we picked up on that. And that's the highest rating Carl can give, I think.
5: Because oh, each cool.
0: rating goes from minus three to plus three.
5: Nice. Human. One human in the crowd with all the Centauri and Narn. Alien Kosh. Uh, Lori rating ten out of, I mean sorry, nine out of ten mentions of Zathras. Human Sheridan and alien Jakar. Well, thanks Lori and Carl. I always like hearing from you.
1: Thanks. Our next email is from Victor.
0: So I'll take Victor then. This episode opens with Slimy Lord Reaper. For some reason I can't say Reaper's name without putting Slimy in front of it and he behaves like the snake he is. Planning to destroy the Narn homeworld. On a happier note, Dral is back and he looks much more chipper than the last time we saw him. He says the great machine on Epsilon 3 has taught him many things. Most notably, diction, lessons, and dramatic speaking, <laughs> is to knock before appearing in someone's quarters. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all good because Drell turns out to be a powerful ally. A word about the Nan the reason they lose wars is because, despite being strong and brave, they aren't just—they just aren't very smart. Even when Dakar warns them that he's received intelligence about the Centauri, they ignore him. They send their fleet to be ambushed by the Shadows in the Garash system, while their homeworld is under attack by the Centauri. The Narn have never missed an opportunity to miss an opportunity. Mm. Ah, harsh criticism. I have to wonder at the wisdom of allowing Centauri and Narns to drink at the same bar while their worlds are at war. <laughs> I <It>, question that <laughs> as well. <laughs> <laughs> it, this makes as much sense as English and Germans drinking together in 1940 while the London Blitz is going on. Surprisingly, riots break out all over the station. Wow, never saw that one coming. Hmm. Well, Even with... um. <laughs> Garibaldi warning that they're going to have trouble beforehand. They still do this, don't they, Victor? Yeah, you're right. Lando has to watch the bombardment of the Narn homeworld and sees the tragic result of his bad decisions. But Lando is a good soldier and he will do his job. There is high drama in the council chamber as Jakar tells Lando that the Narn will be free again. Delenn tells Sheridan of the Rangers and that the fall of Narn will may not be the end of the war, but only the beginning of a larger war. This is a powerful episode with much foreshadowing. Did someone say Zathras? Huh. I thought yeah. he disappeared with, when Babel all went, whenever it went. Maybe once... Maybe for once, things good... Sorry. Maybe for once... Things good, maybe for once things are good for Zathras. That puts the episode over the top with ten armies out, with a ten armies of light out of ten with regards Victor.
2: Thanks, Victor.
1: Yeah, thanks, thanks Victor. Victor. Yeah, I'm sure many of you know that Victor's brother Bob passed away this past week, and
0: thought, Bob. What? Um, uh, yeah, our thoughts are with Victor.
1: Right. Bob was a good friend to the show I think he was one of the first people To advertise our show And he sent us feedback And he was scheduled to be on in just a couple of weeks But yeah, we'll miss Bob
0: Yeah we definitely will He He's always sent in some great feedback And had some great insights On so many shows He He's going to be missed
5: Yeah he was Everywhere in the podcast community And you know I think the community is still reeling from it and uh, yeah we definitely miss Bob
4: his was the Mm -hmm. first uh, podcast I ever guested on his Dexter cast
0: yeah Mm yeah so all the more reason for me to start listening into that and watching Dexter now to hear his commentary on that series because so much I've heard about that series is good and I'm sure he's got some great things to say about it Mm Mm-hmm. Well, if you like hearing my voice, I showed up
4: a lot. I was there, Jan. So,
0: okay. Well, I'm, I'm sure you've fi- got I'm some the great... guy. <laughs> you, you. I'm sure you have great thoughts on that show as
1: well. And <laughs> uh, next email is from Anka. I'll take that one. Hi, down below team and guest. Even after so many years and many times rewatching this show, my living room always becomes really, really quiet whenever i watch this particular episode i can understand why elizabeth and heidi could not find any words during the commentary of the episode just, right just to the... be uh
5: just to clarify we did have some words for anybody that wants to listen <laughs> <to Yeah>. it <laughs> wasn't there. completely silent
0: yeah it is worth worth it even if it's just for the moment when you hear zathras being named <laughs>
1: Right from the beginning, the long twilight struggle tells you that something is up and it's not gonna be easy to watch. Rifa is back and he's planned it all out. Even Londo is shocked, but instead of acting against Rifa, instead of acting against it, he plays Rifa's puppet. One more time, as he says. I can't believe how often Londo takes the wrong path, again and again, and now this, the Centauri are about to destroy Narn. Yeah. While the Narn's plan is obviously going to fail when it happens it is one of the many tragic scenes in this episode not just the cgi is very good the music is incredible orchestrating the attack by the shadows and cutting to jakar praying and then we see londo standing on the window of the warship watching the destruction of narn this is something you will never forget londo i promise it's a great shot it's tragic and i always thought i remembered londo crying during this scene I didn't see tears this time, so maybe in my imagination I added this little piece of tragedy. I don't want to go back and watch it. I can't. One little note. When Rifa says to Londo, come, I reserved us spots on the war cruiser. Sorry, I forgot the name. I was like, oh my God, they even sell tickets. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then there is Jakar. Poor, poor Jakar. He tried to stop the plan to draw their forces away. He could not. He has to learn that his home world is being destroyed and then he has to surrender to the Centauri, to Londo personally. When he is about to leave the council chamber, his speech is really amazing. Yes, he has been broken, but we know that Jakar will never give up. I love how the whole scene is shot. And there was another moment in that scene where I cringed at Londo, especially when he yells, Now at Sheridan. I swear even Sheridan, Delene, and Kosh take a step back. It seems Londo can simply turn a switch and be the bad, powerful guy. Then when nobody sees him, he puts on the saddest face in the universe. Hmm. The side story is quite interesting as well, but it could have been given more room in my mind. The new actor for Drawl puts a lot of theater acting behind his words. I don't mind it so much, but it seems Sheridan does, especially when he cuts him off so often. It's a bit comical and could be a good counterpart to the war that is going on in the rest of the universe. And of course, in the light of all this, it is seriously important. The first alliance during the long twilight struggle that is lying ahead of them, as Jarl calls it. Well, that probably means we'll learn more soon. And D'Lynn gives Sheridan equal command of the Rangers. We also see the Rangers are not all wearing the same clothing. Some of them seem to act as secret messengers, probably. It's interesting how hidden this army of light has stayed so far. I guess rumors are only spreading to the right people so far. Favorite human, Sheridan, especially for the scene with Jakar at the end. Honestly, it's just one small scene between the two of them, but so well acted. Favorite alien, I can't decide between Londo and Jakar. I give it to Jakar for the great quote, and I know Londo is the bad guy, but honestly, Londo actor Peter Juric just impresses me so much in this episode. He even makes Grumpy Cat look bad. Absolutely, <laughs> this was the best episode in the... Two seasons for me, and I normally never go overboard with my rating system, but I have to give it 11 out of 10 inks on a page. Mm. Two more episodes until the end of season two. What do you think is going to happen to Jakar and Londo? Cheers, Anka.
0: Thanks, Anka.
1: Thanks, Anka. And piece of feedback is a comment from Mitch.
2: And I'll take that one from Facebook. Um, as with Divided Loyalties, this episode is a payoff for viewers who have been following along from the beginning and paying attention. Sheridan is brought into the other inner circle. The Narn-Splentari conflict heats up. Jakar is now cut off from his people, and then there's Drawl. And this time, if it isn't the quote of the week for someone, I'll take it. Zathras, Zathras, never around when he's needed. Human of the week, Sheridan, Alien of the week, Jakar. Thanks,
5: hey, Mitch. thanks,
1: Mitch. Cheers, Mitch. Our final piece of feedback is from Yan.
5: Okie dokie. Hello, fellow lurkers in down below. Here's a bit of feedback for Season 2, Episode 20, The Long Twilight Struggle. This is a packed episode. The Fall of Narn. drawl, and the Great Machine returns. And Sathras. Never around when you need him. Delenn shares command of the rangers with Sheridan. So, dear ambassadors... You did get to know who the others were. It is good to see Jakar immediately picking up on the problem with the Narn attack. Rifa is mm, consolidating his position with Londo as as his assistants. He is a real jerk. Agreed. Mm -hmm. There are a few scenes in this episode that stand out to me. Jakar realizing that he was right and his urgency in telling Justen. Londo watching the destruction of Narn. Peter Jurisic shines in the performance here. You could see it in his eyes. What have I done? Jakar asking for sanctuary. You can see that it was so difficult for him. Londo listing the conditions of surrender. He was devastatingly harsh in his performance as ambassador. Jakar's speech before he leaves the council chamber. Sheridan learning about the rangers and realizing he had more support than he thought. It was a joy to listen to the commentary of Elizabeth and Heidi. Your first prediction for the episode was, of course, spot on. Narnia would fall. Sorry, I said Narnia. I look forward to your (laughs) predictions for future episodes. Thanks. Yeah. And now for the favorites. Human Sheridan. Alien. Close to a tie between Londo and Jakar. I will go for Jakar. Quotes. Someone has probably already quoted the Jakar speech at the end of the council meeting, so I will make a short one. Delenn. Abs are fragging damn it. (laughs) She is learning a bit of the more colorful English, doesn't she? Rating. This episode is momentous. I love it to bits. So I rate it a 10 out of 10, Citizen Jakar's. Hey, that was Jason's reading. And that's all, folks. Watch out for shadows. They keep moving when you're not looking. Or sorry, they move when you're not looking. Yan the Babylon Lurker. Thanks, Thanks, Yan, as always.
0: And thanks, everyone, for your feedback. Yes, we love feedback.
1: (laughs) Feedback makes us happy. (laughs) If you want to send us feedback, you know, you can send it to mail at downbelowpodcast.com or leave us comments on Facebook or the website or leave us an iTunes review. Nifty. So how about we do predictions?
0: Oh, yes. Predictions. Plenty of them, I bet.
1: The next episode is called Comes the Inquisitor.
0: Oh, boy.
2: <laughs> Ooh.
5: Oh, jeez. So does it have to...
2: It sounds like a Psy I know, thing. that's what I was thinking. Um, what is that Psy cop's name? Bester? Yeah, Bester. It totally made me think of Bester.
5: Yeah. It sounds like maybe uh, Talia has um, informed them of something or other. Hmm. Um, I mean... But it's kind of weird to be jumping back and forth between Psy and Narn and Tari. Yeah,
2: uh, I'm not sure if it will go... If it will go back there. But that's definitely the first thing that popped into my mind.
5: Yeah. But, I mean, we are still... I mean, there's been a lot of Psy stuff this season.
2: Yeah. Maybe they just, need a new Psy representative on oh, the yeah. station.
5: Yeah. It just sounds psy to me, so... It does. But it could be war-related. I don't know. Maybe they're... In,
2: uh, I don't know. They're asking Londo questions, but he won't answer them, so... <laughs> yeah. Let's get to overall predictions, (laughs) because... Oh my goodness.
0: Yeah, those will be the good ones.
2: Okay, I am predicting that... Jakar is going to work with... uh, The... Army of Light. Um, He's... He has to. Because he's basically... Got no people. Um, So... Yeah, they're going to pull him into that. And... I think there has to be a new Narn ambassador come aboard.
5: Mm. It has to be somebody that the Centauri pick, which is right. weird.
2: Like, yeah.
1: Mr. Tumnus.
2: Why would, where would they find... <laughs> yes,
0: Mr. <laughs> <laughs> That's like perfect. <punch> <laughs> oh. Well, no, no. If you go for the full analogy, it'd be the White Witch, and Mr. Tumnus will be her attaché.
2: Ah! <laughs> um, so, but my question is, like I, I know that there's always like, I guess bottom feeders in any uh, civilization. So I guess they, the Centauri probably would be able to find an Narn who would be willing to take this position, but he would just have to be the slimiest of the slimy, you know, because to turn on his own people in after their time of defeat, and so that could be a really interesting character if we actually do get that. Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah,
4: if historical occupations or any uh, guide yeah it's not hard to find those people
2: yeah yeah um, and where the heck is Natoth because and now I'm really uh, worried about her because uh, she's the, like been in like two episodes this whole season it's so well When the people have fallen and Jakar has fallen he has no yeah. use for her anymore so uh, she may have disappeared and gone the way of Kodoth oh out the airlock
5: <laughs> Kodoth should come back um, yeah, I just think, like, this whole thing, I mean, if we're going with the whole World War II <clears throat> metaphor, the Centauri are not stopping, um, and so eventually there's gonna have to be a counterforce to them, and it seems like that's all mixed up with the, um, the Shadows, too, so, it's like, the Centauri and the Shadows, um, versus eventually everybody else? I don't know, I, I'm still, like, on the fence about Earth. But um, I think Alondo will eventually redeem himself somehow, you know? I hope so. Yeah. And I can't disagree with with Jakar joining up with Sheridan and them, because, I mean, that just seems like it would be a natural way to go. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know exactly how Zathras is fitting in. I mean, I know that he eventually uh, is part of the group that... I mean, we know that... Well, see, it's, the other thing is, like, how much that they showed us in season one, since Sinclair is no longer with us, is supposedly still going to happen. Um, I think it
2: all has to. Yeah, sure. Well, then Sinclair is the one. Right. And then... We don't necessarily have to see him, but we know he's working behind the scenes, so...
5: Yeah. That was just really hard, but... So, yeah. So we know that this this fight is going to be pretty catastrophic. And somehow Babylon I don't know. Anyways. Somehow this ship gets put into the future or something. I don't know.
2: Uh-huh.
5: But yeah, yeah I mean this I don't I don't know how how the season
2: is gonna end. There's like two episodes left. I'm wondering if it's going to be somehow the start of the big war that we have you know, heard so yeah, much about between the light and the dark, opening
5: salvos or whatever. Yeah, I
2: wonder if that's how the season will end. I'm I wonder very... if we see more
5: Narn. I mean, uh, not Narn. Uh, more Warlons um, come. Ooh, that could be interesting. Help
2: out. I'm wondering. I'm just trying to figure out what the spiders' end game is. Yeah, like, what's, their, what's their point? What are they trying to do? Because They're obviously using the Centauri to sort of start this universally wide war. Um, But then they're also willing to do a lot of the dirty dirty work themselves. Because they come in when the Centauri can't, you -hmm. know, they don't have enough power. So it's not like they're just trying to completely hide. But I guess for the most part, Londo's the only one that knows... That they're really out there, as far as they know, um, right?
5: Yeah, so. I guess I guess I have to take what they said as correct is that they are probably just trying to let the world fight and weaken themselves, and then I guess their end game would just be to take over. I, I, it just see it just when you think about conquest in and of itself is like meaningless, you know.
2: Uh huh. But. It's like, okay, you have a universe full of depleted civilizations, and you destroyed Narnia now, you know? The planet is basically a waste, so it probably doesn't have any great resources that you would want. So what's the point? Yeah. Yay, you. Yeah, you can say I rule the universe. Awesome! Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. Um... Uh... To talk more about the missing assistants, I think that maybe uh, Lanier and Natof and Beer um, are off starting their own little club. <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> we haven't seen Lanier since uh, since that population died, have we? Uh, I yeah, I don't. What they were called, but I think that was his last episode.
5: There's no like background on this. People that have seen this before, right? About. Was was anybody questioning this at the time? Like were the assistants or is it just They just, just had stuff?
4: fewer they were just fewer they just were ...had Contract. fewer
0: episodes, yeah.
4: Than the than the main ambassadors did so yeah.
0: It's nice to notice to you that they've been missing though.
4: Yeah. I think I think generally if they're missing in long chunks it's probably because they were actually doing something else and JMS let them go. Um mm-hmm. do that thing. Um yeah. But but generally uh, generally the assistants I think had um, no more than eleven uh, episodes per season.
5: But seriously Natoth has had like two. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> yeah. I'm, not, I'm not even exaggerating at all. Yeah, I think replacing
4: cannot... the actress again just I think they they just maybe he just decided not to have as much for her or
5: Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's too bad. But yeah. So I guess
2: that's all I have for now. Yeah. Unless Ian, if you have any specific Questions?
0: No, you answered uh, okay. well. You gave a lot of predictions. At least, yeah, answered what I was thinking. Wondering what you were thinking about, and uh, okay. yeah, uh, you're doing well so far because you've got a lot of mystery still to come.
5: Yeah, yeah. The sidecore like is going to uh, take over at some point. They got to. I'm waiting for that. Sorry, Jason.
0: Um, I
4: was just going to say I was going to put a call out to people. I'm going to go through uh, a re-listen of all the. Prediction sections and do a score for the whole season.
1: Oh, see geez, how lo- oh. see how well you guys did.
4: Um, and <laughs> yeah. mostly, the call it out is to other people to uh, if they know of any predictions I missed that are from the you know interior parts of episodes or from things like that, because um, I'm just gonna just take the little five minute prediction chunk uh, and re-listen to all of those. Just to make sure we got them all recorded. Awesome. Ooh, wow, Thanks, Jason! Jason. <laughs> I, there have been fewer this season because there's been more episodes where you two haven't been together. Uh huh. You don't predict nearly yeah. as much when you're not together.
0: Nope. To bounce off <laughs> ideas off each other.
2: Well, yeah, because we're just sitting here talking to air. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard to give faux predictions sometimes, unless the episode title really demands it.
5: <laughs> uh-huh. Well, this next episode title is pretty cool, so I'm expecting yeah. a cool episode
1: alright well Jason thank you for joining us once again thanks Jason oh definitely hope you sign up for season 3 yeah I have to
4: look at the list I don't remember which ones are tops but um, they're all apparently tops I need list. to list, I need to list them all so I can be back up on
0: uh... Um. Will yes Yeah. We, we're going to find it really interesting I think who signs up for what episode yeah <laughs> He'll say a lot about the um, guest, I think, unless let I... say.
1: Yeah, sometimes um, you know, I think about saying, yeah, this person. When we do predictions, I want to say like who the guest is, because then you, then they may know it's going to be like a really good episode, or yeah. You know.
5: What well, some people like really bad episodes.
1: Well, no, but if it's, I would say that like if Shane or Yan maybe sign up for an episode, it's probably a good episode. Jason as well.
0: Well, no, or I mean. For example, Shane, he really loves certain types of stories and he'll go for those, won't he? Uh,
2: Or certain character, probably based ones would be certain people.
0: Yeah, he can. Well, I think we're getting uh, a sense of who the veteran view is like as their characters at the moment.
1: (laughs) But well, it's not always the case because sometimes. Yeah, sometimes they'll surprise you. Sometimes people don't get the episode they really want, so they have to get a backup episode. Mm-hmm. And
0: then we've got our new viewers who are you know, listening along as well, and sometimes they'll pick an episode and they happen to pick one that a veteran viewer really wanted to be on.
1: <laughs> or a new viewer may tell me to pick a random episode, and my random episode just is. A really good episode. Yeah. Where's the worst one or, of the season?
5: Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Me the one like that Melanie was on.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
4: So pick well for Melanie this season.
5: Right. And be- uh,
4: it's
1: all random. It's, I mean, when someone tells me just to pick an episode, it's usually just random. Yes. I have a random number generator that I use for that.
2: What? Really?
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh. <laughs> you know, I always get a really terrible episode for intro to X because. I am a newbie and so by the like I usually just wait for everybody to send in their initial ones and then I send in mine based on what's left and based on what's left it's like a really crappy episode. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm a newbie there and I usually just go by the name if it's a weird name or if it's in a different language or something like that Uh sometimes i'll look at the writer it
0: doesn't really help when you're a retro viewer and you don't quite remember which episode is which you go onto to (laughs) and that doesn't help at all yeah so yeah you think you're signing up for one episode when it turns out to be something else (laughs) this time i actually i was on
2: yeah this time i actually just signed up based on the date because I was like, okay, well, this date will work for me really well. So I'll go with that.
1: Well, Jason, is there anywhere we can find you out on the internet, land, web? Nope, not really. Just Facebook. Okay. Facebook, okay. Okay, well, cool. that is all we have for this week, folks. We'll be back next week with Comes the Inquisitor. And until then, goodbye.
0: Bye. Be seeing you. Broke off.
1: Look for us on the web, in iTunes, and on Stitcher Radio. Also, downbelowpodcast.com, facebook.com slash group slash downbelowpodcast, and twitter.com slash downbelowcast.